Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. Great to be back. Beautiful Saturday morning here in Dublin. Sorry we're a day late. Uh, I was actually skiing this week with my brother who turns 40 in a couple of weeks. Special trip, wonderful trip that we had to Val d'Isere in France. And I had a show last night in Port Leash. So I had Martin Angolo opening up for me. And I knew it would be a good chance to have a chat with a comic that I've admired. New, newish comic, doing it about seven years. Started when he was young, started when he was 19. 26 now and uh i've wanted to chat to him for a while uh i'm first time i gigged with him i immediately thought oh this guy is, is very promising um so i waited to have that chat with him last night driving to the show driving episode uh so that chat is coming up and it, it's really a comedy chat it's been a while since uh one of our discussions has really indulged into the art of comedy um, and I have to be honest, I originally thought we would talk a little bit more about Martin's background because his, uh, his mother immigrated to Ireland from Namibia and, um, he, he's mixed race, but I actually, I, I didn't know really much about his background. So I was quite curious about his background, more just, um, from the curiosity of getting to know him better more than sort of looking for any, you know, any sort of unique, interesting story on, uh, uh, you know, modern Irish identity, um, and I, I didn't even, I didn't even know where his mother was from originally. So I, I, I just wanted to know more about him because I, you know, I haven't had that much of a chance to, to talk to him properly. You know, just before and after shows. But in the end, we actually ended up talking quite a lot about the industry and his struggles, perhaps, with the the way the the game has changed in terms of online content. And so we get into all that, uh, but first, before we um, before we go into that chat, let me just say that at that gig last night, something happened. Now I've had I've had many instances throughout my career of drunken people disrupting the show, and this is this is beyond the heckle. The, the journalists absolutely love asking about heckling. And how it affects, how do you deal with it? How much of a part of the industry is it is? And it's very exaggerated the importance of heckling, and and the the frequency of heckling as part of a show is very exaggerated. It's actually not that common, um, and mostly heckles come from insecure men. In terms of the traditional heckle of, I'll show you. Unless you're at a Jimmy Carr gig where there's a certain sort of uh, you heckle me and I'll deal with it and that's what we've come to see. And I guess there's a few comics that are into that. Um, 
and I've had plenty of heckles in my career, and you deal with them, but you'd rather not have them. They never add to the show. Even a good a good heckle and then a really good heckle response, which usually gets a round of applause as if somehow that's a higher skill than your well-crafted jokes. Even that amazing moment of bettering a heckler, a heckler who probably isn't a bad person either, you know, but even that moment of like, boom, nailed it. And the round of applause that it gets, I'd still prefer to not have the heckle, no matter how triumphant or amazing the audience thought that moment was, because it's actually not that difficult to do. And it gets way more credit than it deserves for, you know, by the audience. Now, in saying that, I'm not criticizing the audience for liking it. I think if I was in the audience or or, or when I have been in the audience and a comedian absolutely destroys a heckler, I enjoy it just the same. It's a, it's a, a Coliseum type energy that uh, is fun to be a part of. But I do think it takes away from the more rewarding thing of the jokes that they've written and the, the place that they want a show or a set to go. Anyway, I'm not talking about heckling. I'm talking about when a drunk person or persons get so out of control that they do not realize that they are they're completely distracting the entire audience. And last night, Martin Ungolo was on opening. And when he came back, I watched a bit of it, but you know, you're kind of standing with the audience. People start looking around. So I, I went back to the green room because uh, it's in a function room in Port Leash. And when Martin came back, he said, yeah, it's pretty good. But there was some very disruptive women in the front row. Uh, but the promoter came back and said, we're moving those women to the back. Um, and we've had a chat with them to tell them that they can't just keep shouting out. Because that's not really heckling. That's disruption. You know, a heckle is, you know, something you deal with it and then that's the end of it. But, you know, drunk people who are just beyond the ability to enter into the contract of a performance, which is, you know, the comedian tells jokes, the audience laughs, you know. Sometimes the the, the comedian does... Um, inspire some interaction, asks you a question and all that. But at the same time, that's kind of like, it's really up to the performer to decide when they want the interactions. And and even if a comedian gets an interaction that they didn't ask for, that it's not persistent. I think that, I think we're all agreed that, that, that that's the contract, right? And when it becomes disruptive, it's not good for anybody. Um, so I went on stage and I was oblivious to who these women were because there was absolutely no disruptions for approximately two-thirds to three-quarters of the show and then and let's remember that this show is Mia Mama which is about my mom dying now it was in Port Leash where uh, I didn't have the slides I don't do um I don't do the visuals for the function rooms and what happened is the exact main reason why I don't do them there because I love the function room gigs but they can be rowdier they do tend to be rowdier. I don't know why. I think people tend to drink more at the hotel shows. And I don't mind the rowdiness, to be honest with you. I like that rowdy, cheery energy. So I'm not complaining about that at all. Uh, but because there are moments with the videos and the pictures that are deliberately meant to be a bit more emotional and not funny, and the, the show in a theater is meant to have a bit more of an emotional arc, I don't do it in the function rooms because 
when people are unruly. And a lot of people get up to go to the bathroom and stuff when you're in function rooms. It just feels more casual there. And I, I don't mind that. It doesn't bother me. I accept it. People move around any show. My least serious show to my most serious show, when you're in function rooms, there's people moving around all the time. It doesn't bother me. But it would destroy a moment of quietness, a bit of a bit of, uh, bit of introspection, you know, that's that happens in the show when it's in a theater. It, w- it would take away from that. And then suddenly it just feels like you're waiting for the quiet moment to end because people are walking around and it's hard to engage in it. So I don't do it. And last night's show was going great. And, you know, there are times, even without the slides, where it's just a bit different. You know, it's not like bang, bang, bang. Joke, joke, joke. I'm talking about some heavy stuff. And then punchlines come. But the the gap between the punchline, you know, the gap between laughs is a little longer at times deliberately because you're talking about something that's not laugh a minute stuff. Death and resentment and all this stuff. And, And they were great. This audience, it was like, it was a really good mix of rowdy and quiet. And then don't ask me why, in and around what I think is the best part of the show, a bit about my nephew's eulogy, which is the bit that I've done the most. I've been doing it since eight days after my mom died or nine days after my mom died. I just somehow, this story about my nephew giving the eulogy, it's just a great story. And for whatever reason, I don't know why. It was after that, like immediately after that, that these women started shouting again. And originally they started by just shouting out Patty Power. Just going, Patty Power, Patty Power, like really loudly. And, uh, First I dealt, you know, first I just like, what I can't remember what I said, but I was just like, made a joke about it. Then I did the ignoring tactic for, you know, I guess about four punchlines. <clears throat> uh, and I, I think maybe on the fourth punchline, it was such a distraction, like another Patty Power shout out. You know, we're, we're talking, we're into like seven or eight nonsensical, meaningless shouts of the word Patty Power. I kind of, they caught me at that moment where, you know, when you're on the phone trying to talk to somebody and then the person you're with is trying to talk to you. I always give that as an example of like when multitasking drives you nuts and you, you sort of snap at the person who's next to you because you're trying to listen to the person on the phone and they're trying to talk to you and you don't mean to snap, but there's just like one too many things going on. Well, I mean, I, whatever way they, they shouted Patty Power, I just was like, all right, guys, I'm sorry, but like, that's enough. I've given you like numerous warnings. You, you, you guys, you have to go. You, like you can't keep doing this. It's just like it's not. It's not cool. And uh, the, you know, I think they were just like, I can't remember. But all I remember is that when I looked over, one of the two women was 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 dancing in her seat. You know, like her eyes were kind of closed and she was like dancing. And I, I knew that she was gone, you know, alcohol wise. And by the way, at this stage, audience had started shouting like, shut the fuck up. And like, it was getting pretty intense. <laughs> shut the fuck up. We're trying to fucking enjoy the show. You know, it's like, there was like a vibe, you know? <clears throat> so, uh, I, I just did that thing of like, guys, you're going to have to go. And then, I, I, I can't remember how it escalated, but they started getting like super intense with the roaring at me. And then I was like, uh, hello, 
uh, hotel, are we going to do something about this? Because, like, we, there's nothing we can do here. The audience are, like, telling him, shut up. Fucking let him get out with the show. Fucking shut the fuck up. There's, like, this mad energy in the crowd, right? So then they started, like, getting really aggressive with me, giving me the finger. So then the the, the staff came over and, uh, you know, told them, like, they have to go. And, of course, they were like, we're not fucking going. We're not fucking going. We paid for this seat. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 you paid for the show. You're, you're not in a fucking plane. You paid for the show. And everybody paid for the show, and you are ruining the show. So, actually, you're stopping everybody from getting what they paid for, as opposed to you being taken away from what you paid for, you know? So, it's really a case of two people who paid for a show leaving, so everyone who paid for the show can get the show, or... Everybody who paid for the show doesn't get the show because you guys are out of control, right? I, you know, I was trying to be rational for a while. Obviously, I was making some jokes also. And then they were, like, refusing to get up. And, uh, some, you know, some people were like, Des, maybe you should get off stage, you know, take a break. But no fucking way was I getting off stage because the pride kicks in, too, you know? And you're just like, no fucking way. Are they... You know, they're not, I'm not getting off this fucking stage no matter what. And, I, you know, I've, I made various jokes. I think I, I was making jokes about how, like, this is ideal, you know, for a show about a dysfunctional family. This is basically like dinner in the Bishop house, you know, me trying to be funny and my fucking, you know, somebody getting upset and all of us shouting at each other. You know, I was just like kind of trying to keep it light and keep it funny. And uh, then, then like one of them, you know, started threatening me with uh death but like in a way that was like that's fine we'll be fucking leaving but i'll tell you right now we'll fucking find out where you're from and you'll be fucking dead you'll be fucking dead and uh you know it was like it was pretty intense and then i i, I think because of maybe the death threats the bouncers tried to like now now here's the thing it's two women, right? All the security staff were men. And I was on stage very conscious of not putting the security staff under too much pressure, even though I was really losing my patience. I was also aware that they were really powerless. Like, I was actually, I was really fascinated. I was on stage, but I was so fascinated by how difficult a situation this is because it's two women that clearly need to be removed. They're like out of control. And I don't even think I'm representing how intense this was, you know? Like we're talking like full-on aggressive roaring at me, you know? Like intense. Uh, but it's two women and all these men, they cannot fucking touch these women. And I don't want them to touch these women. I want the women to fucking get some sense and go, but they are not going. Like they are not moving. And I'm like, how... How, at what stage can you physically remove somebody, you know? So I guess the cue was the death threat that it wasn't very physical. They just grabbed the women, to, I guess, to kind of like lift them up to, I, you know, you just want to sort of, you want to take it to the next level of, ladies, you don't understand how serious this is. You guys have to go. And by the way, at this stage, I had said, maybe we just need to call the guards. Maybe the guards are the right people to, to you know, get rid of these people. Because, like, it, it, it's, it, you know, I, I didn't want anyone to get in trouble, you know. But I guess the death threat. 
and fuck me, bro. The, these women went nuts. Fucking, I mean, you're, you're talking like close to a riot for about five seconds, okay? And then the bouncer stepped off, right? So no more touching, right? I mean, it was like, you know, like in a cartoon where suddenly there's like a load of dust and you know, people are having a fight? It was like that for like maybe five seconds. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. And the crowd were all like roaring at the women. It was very intense. But then that stopped and the women are still there in their seats, right? And one of them stands up and fucking roars at me something about the country and politicians and everybody's fucking against us. Uh, which is, I'm not even judging these women in the sense that it's just booze, you know? I told them, I kept saying to them, I was like, you guys don't understand. You're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to feel so fucking bad about this. I was like, you just, it's fine. I just... You're you're not even you're not even bad people. You're just too drunk. You can't control yourself in this situation. It's totally fine. Just just please just try to understand that you're gonna have so much regret in the morning. You know, I was trying to play like the the rational card, which of course is fucking pointless. And so now one of them stands up and roars at me about politicians. The next thing, the other one fucking says, "I'm gonna fucking kill you," and she fucking storms the stage. She storms the stage. Now I'm on the stage. And I'm I'm watching her come at me, and the stage is a little higher. And I have this like dilemma of, what the fuck am I gonna do here? I'm like, literally, it's only about four seconds. I guess it takes her to get to the stage. So these are like a quick. This is like a, a longer version of a quick thought that went through my head. Was, am I allowed to physically defend myself here? Well, you know, what do I do? I'm on fucking stage. Everybody's looking at me. It's got to be phones out. What do I do here? Luckily, one of the security guards intercepts her, right? And then she gets dragged. Now she's getting dragged out because she's storming the stage. So essentially her move to to rush the stage was, I guess, the, the action that was necessary for them to just get into the zone of this was a public safety issue. These women had to be physically removed. And that was... That was it. <laughs> Back to jokes about my my dead mother. Um, so that happened. I guess it was about seven, maybe ten minutes all in. Uh, I think I did the right thing not to leave the stage. Uh, the funny thing was, yes, there was pride of I'm not letting the I'm not fucking leaving the stage. These fucking drunken women are fucking getting leaving here before I fucking get off the stage. But uh, I also just thought. If I leave to take a break to let this get dealt with, we'll never get the show back. Because it was it already been a good show. I'd already been on stage, I guess, close to an hour. And I would just think that some people would just be like, it was a good night, I just can't be dealing with this. And they would leave and we'd never get the show back. So I just thought, for the sake of entertainment, it was more important to stay on the stage. And that the minute that this was dealt with, we could just get back to it. Because that's what everybody's there for. They're not there for this. Um, and... I think it was the right move. They left. I sang a church song, which was kind of a callback, just to lighten the mood. And uh, and, the, and the rest of the show was great. Of course, at the end of the show, I got a standing ovation, which I'm not saying out of any arrogance, but I actually, I, I almost didn't like that standing ovation because, I, again, like I said, I don't want the fucking triumph of dealing with this adverse situation. I just want the fucking show. And I really appreciate the audience's support. And, and I think their gratitude... 
that like we still had a great night and we didn't let this thing take over the show and it was fun but at the same time I still always prefer it not to happen I'd rather not have a standing ovation and just have people seen the show the way it's meant to be and have had a great night rather than that but I also get that it's a unique moment and I did joke I joked on stage I said you know in 10 years time I'll have done another five awesome shows in Port Leash but everybody will still be like do you remember the night those two women had to be kicked out you know um so that was unfortunate but it was it was it was a bit of crack and hey it's a story to tell you know it's a story to tell and uh not the first or the last time you know and i i have to be honest this is not a criticism of women but in my comedy career which has spanned uh 24 years right 23 years 23 years of comedy uh, the increase in the uh, the drunken women scenario has increased. Um, the, the the numbers have gone up of times where women are out of control. It used to be mo- much more of a male thing. And th- again, this is not a criticism of women. This is just the unfortunate byproduct of the increased consumption of alcohol um, that uh, women partake in, which Joanne McNally brought up on The Shift a couple of weeks ago. This is a real stat. And I have... Doctors talk about how they can see it in the increase in liver disease in women, but I have definitely seen it in the increase of times where it's a woman and not a man that gets unruly at the show. And I'm not, I'm, I don't think man or woman should be uh, losing control. So this is just a general message to say that if you're out of control because you consume too much alcohol, that is your responsibility and there's no excuse really there's just not it's not fair first of all it's not fair on your own body and it's definitely not fair on the people that came to see a show and had to deal with you know your irresponsibility drinking too much is irresponsible simple as that anyway that's the end of my that's the end of my my thing about all that and uh it was a good time and it's a low level issue really in in the great scheme of things and i'm sure that people that work in pubs and clubs people that work in security which it's very easy to hate them sometimes because sometimes they can definitely be way too aggressive. But you'd have to say that it's not an easy situation dealing with belligerent drunkenness. So um, I admire I admire your patience. And uh, I won't just uh, point out the times where you go too far in the future because it's definitely, it's, it's, it's a complicated scenario trying to know what's the right play when you're not dealing with rational people. Um, so with that said, let's get into this chat with, uh, Martin Angolo, great guy. And I'll be back after the app to wrap things up. So we're on our way to Port Leash and Martin has uh, kindly agreed to open up for me at very short notice. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's mainly for the money, but, uh, absolutely. Which we haven't discussed, but we'll discuss that when the mic is off (laughs) and, uh, It'll it'll be the it'll be the market rate for support acts. Sure, and uh, <laughs> it's never a good sound. We'll talk about it when we're not recording. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think that that that's private business. You no, know? you're right. You're right. Oh Absolutely. So uh, yeah. So um, you know, th- one of the just if I can explain myself a little bit, one of the reasons why I was a bit late asking you is with this Mia Mama tour, I'm not really using supports all the time, mm. but because. Uh, this this show is in a function room, and I'm not doing like the full Mia Mama show. Right. 
I just kind of giving myself a break and uh, not doing my own warm up. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like, you know, me and mom is about my mom dying. Right. And I just sometimes when I'm doing the full show, which can be quite emotional. Sure. I feel like if a support act like yourself, who of course I want to go out and I want them to have like the best show. I want them to, you know, you you would probably have a desire to like prove yourself to the crowd. Yeah. It can be tough then to come out and be like, sorry guys, I know you're having a great time with the support act, but <laughs> here comes my here comes my dead mom jokes. Yeah. So I feel like I'd rather just go out and uh, warm them up myself. You know. Mm, sure, of course. So uh, before we get going on on a proper chat, uh, have you done many like sort of uh, what you call it like uh, Irish country town function room gigs? Mm, not function rooms, but I've been around a lot, you know. Uh, you know, starting out, you do every gig you can. Sure. And uh, you end up in some weird places, but uh, it's weird, you know. Uh, it's a lot more fun than D- Dublin, I find. Do you think so? Yeah, I think. I so. mean, because people have different reactions. Some people yeah. go, "Ooh, I find these country crowds to be tough or different," yeah. and then other people, uh, you know, absolutely love it. It really depends on on the comic, you know. It's kind of unpredictable, though. You know, you can, you can get like a. <laughs> they might hate you, but it's kind of a challenge, you know, to sure. do that. Or you can get, like, it's just the best crack for whatever It might be a shitty pub, and uh, for whatever reason, you know, it shouldn't work. The room shouldn't work, but uh, there's just some atmosphere in yeah, the place. Yeah, some magic moment happens or something. Yeah, and you don't really get that. Dublin's a bit samey, you know. Well, this would be 500 people in a function room. Yeah. Which, you know, for a long time, I kind of, I, I, I considered the function rooms in hotels to be like a... A compromise in that you know you're in a town that doesn't have a big enough theater, so you do these function rooms. Right. But I used to not like them. But then, I don't know. Over the years, I've I've gone to, gone to prefer them because they're a bit more, they're a bit more like a comedy club sure. than when you do like the Arts Center. Right. Right. You know. So we're heading to what used to be the Heritage Hotel is now the Midlands Park Hotel. The Heritage was taken over by Nama. Oh. So it's a, it's a, in my mind, a remnant of a, of a dark time in the Irish economic history. Because <laughs> I used to know the owners, and they were badly done over by the recession. And I feel bad because many happy memories. The early when I first broke out, did a lot of shows at the Heritage Hotel, and they really looked after me. And now I don't know what they're doing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wow. certainly not as fucking exciting as it was in 2006. I can tell you that right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Martin, I'm uh, very curious now because when I met you first, I met you in the. Uh, the stag's head yeah and i didn't i i knew i knew nothing about in fact i think you were already on when i walked in could have been yeah and i remember thinking oh I, I like this guy <laughs> you know oh. different and you had like a good style about you and stuff well, and uh but you know and i've 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 you know we've done a few shows together and i've seen you at the international and stuff yeah but i know very little about your your story yeah yeah are you comfortable uh, you know Talking about a bit about who you are, uh, I, I, I suppose I have to now. Yeah. Well, you don't have to, <laughs> no, but you no. know, no, no. I, I, I am I curious. Were you born in Ireland or not? You know, I was. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. my mother she moved here like forty years ago. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. Where's your mom from? She's from Namibia. Just, oh. Yeah, just above South Africa. So yeah, you don't follow the, you don't follow the typical pattern. No, no, first generation. Right. So Irish. your mother came from Namibia forty years ago. About that, yeah. Wow. What yeah. was the? What was the? Well, how do you go from Namibia to Ireland, and what what is that? That's 1978. No, yeah. 1980. Yeah, in the 80s. Yeah, so uh, I think she was one. Yeah, she's like the f- one of the only black people around. Yeah, she was early. Yeah, because that was the running gag when when immigration started in Ireland. It was like right until until these guys started showing up. It was just the odd guy that didn't make it in the NBA playing for the shitty Irish basketball league. Exactly. And that's it. Yeah, 
And even her, even she's now like, uh, oh, there's loads of them now. Yeah, these are all over. Africans come. <laughs> <laughs> she thought she was special for a while. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I I'm I'm sure she she has great stories about that because she was for a while, right? Yeah. And then suddenly, I would imagine that in 1998, 1999, suddenly she starts to feel animosity. I'm only assuming this, but I don't know. Uh, she'd probably be similar to me in that, you know. She doesn't have that. I, I don't know. I've never asked specifically, but she, I, I don't think she's had that. Everything's been quite nice for her. Sure, sure, you know? sure. Even coming over, you know, it's almost like a, I don't know, a special attraction, <laughs> like a bearded lady, you know, oh, the black woman. You yeah, know? sure. It's I guess you, you can get into being the novelty. Yeah. Yeah, but I, don't I, mean, think I can understand that a little bit. Only I, I was the only American in, in Wexford, but yeah, the, the, it's not the same. Right, right, right. I mean, the, the, I, I, I guarantee you, there was no more than a hundred black people in Ireland when your mother came. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the census figures, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd go with that. But um, uh, so just out of curiosity, I wish we had your mom in the car, but... Yeah. Uh, you, <laughs> what was the... Like, how, how, do, how do you come to go from Namibia to Ireland? Okay, I don't know the full story now. She was... Um, she actually joined the army in Namibia. Oh, right. Because there was, uh, yeah, a big conflict over there and sort of like a... Uh, uh, in Star Wars terms, she was at the Rebel Alliance. Oh right, okay. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then she trained uh, some medical training, and then she went to work as a nurse. And then uh, there was a big opportunity in Ireland to work as a nurse. Oh really? And that was it. Yeah. So she was a nurse for years. And um, well, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. She goes on about it all, constantly. <laughs> I'm just, a, I'm just a, a club comic. Did you get into? Did you ask her much back in the day about the history of Namibia and stuff like that? Because Namibia is kind of like a quiet enough in terms of like people's awareness yeah. of their problems or or non-problems for that matter you know i wish i did more because i've been a few times and uh I, I don't know enough about it and i wish i knew more oh really yeah she actually did a documentary they did a documentary on her a uh, radio or a tv one tv one and they flew her back over and oh uh, namibia television did no no Ar irish tv, oh, irish TV right. did and uh yeah so i learned more from that and i was like oh i should really <laughs> you're jealous of your mom she's getting the fucking telly <laughs> <laughs> yeah i still use it as a credit on i saw it in it for a second i've seen, seen an rte oh, uh, oh yeah how old were <laughs> you oh i'd have been like 12 or something all yeah. right oh yeah 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 but um yeah i learned more from that watching the documentary about like, her history and i was there going oh, maybe i don't know my mother enough <laughs> maybe i'm a terrible son after so your dad's irish uh he was croatian oh yeah but i was raised by a single mother so oh you yeah, really have to see i didn't know that yeah, all right yeah. okay so angola is your mom's name yeah. yeah yeah never married oh that that was a that's a toughie single mom immigrant ireland yeah and then uh when she had me she wasn't a nurse she was uh she actually started her own business so um she became a sort of nursing she'd assign nurses t and uh, to different places basically a nursing agent something like some that. sort of administrator yeah yeah and uh so it basically yeah work was at home so like upstairs where we lived and then downstairs was all like her office and she had people working for her and you're, you you were raised in the north side of Dublin all your life. Yeah, uh, around yeah, uh, around Cabra, all that. Yeah. All right, cool. And then when you were growing up, were you into being the novelty or? Not really. It didn't really <laughs> come up. Um, no, I don't know. I didn't really. It didn't really go noticed. No one, you know. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It wasn't as exciting as when your mom came. No, you're no. Just another fucking <laughs> another kid, another kid in school. Yeah, exactly. How fucking boring is that? I know. There was one other, uh, in uh, primary school. There was another kid who looked the image of me, and uh, yeah, I didn't like the fact that he was the only other one in the in the school. 
you know, you heard Black Kid, and I was like, ah, oh, this is a shame. This is, get, get off my train. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think. I, I, I made that joke. Oh, that was my, I made that joke when I was in China. Oh, yeah. I used to hate when another white guy would get on the train. Like, <laughs> I'm the fucking, I'm the novelty in this car. Get another fucking car, bro. You know, I want people to be impressed with me speaking Chinese. Exactly. Not fucking, not fucking two of us. Oh, oh that, that's cool. Yeah, so, um, when, like, how did you end up? thinking comedy was your thing well I was kind of funny in school and to be, I didn't really want to be a stand-up I'd write funny like bits and uh, kind of wanted to write you know funny stuff then I realized you can't really just if you write something what do you do with it you know where I don't know anyone I don't know where to submit a script or do anything and I was like oh you could do stand-up that's sort of you know you do your you but how, how old were you when you were thinking like that I was in, so I was quite funny in school. So I'm one of these horrible people who didn't have a proper job like after college. Me neither, bro. So yeah, like but I. You're in a safe space here. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I know, but I feel a bit bad about. It. Well, I don't. Why well, would you feel bad? I mean, you're you right. Could, well, first of all, you're you're dismissing your own job as a, being a non-proper job. Yeah. Number one. That's true. No, it is. Because you know you're a self-employed, mm. creative entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. So you know you 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 never had that routine so. No. You know, th- th- listen. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not dismi- Like routines can be convenient. As much as I know that people look at our job and think I would love that freedom. Yeah. You know, there's, there's certain negatives to that. Mm. So don't completely dismiss your lack of a quote-unquote normal job. And that's true. That's true. I just know because I was 19 when I started. Oh, you uh, were 19. No, I was 21. But yeah, 19, teenager. Quite wow. young. And so I you know, still. But, but yeah. did you go to college? Yeah, yeah. So I started in my second year of college. So I was in uh, Dunleary, IDT. Oh. Sort of English media culture, so the kind of course you do when you're not sure what you're going to do. Yeah, but the, the, I, I was that. Is that an art college or that's? Yeah, artsy. Yeah. Yeah, because I always feel like whenever I meet people from there, they're either like super posh and just had to go to college because their parents made them, yeah. or they they're quite creative, artistic types. That's you that's were, pretty you were, much it. Yeah, because you, you definitely weren't posh. No, no. You guys are survivors. <laughs> By the way, do you have brothers and sisters? No, only child. Oh, only child. Well, that helps mm. when you're a single mother, I guess. You want to mm. fucking double the load. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, I'm just. I don't want to. I'm only putting it down because I know when I see young comedians, <laughs> I hate. Them. I, 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 if I saw myself at 19 and I thought, you know, oh, the, the arrogance of this young person. Yes, but that. Yeah, but the, that. A hundred percent. But you know what? How old are you now? Uh, 20, 26. 26. I mean, you're still quite young, but I, I think, especially as men. Mm. There's nothing you can do with the fact that as you get older, you realize that you were a fucking pain in the ass when you were younger. Sure. There's just nothing you can do with that. Yeah. So, of course, you're going to think that about a fucking young comic. <laughs> Plus, I feel like the generation, you know the way like people talk about Gen X, baby boomers? Yeah. I feel like the generations are fucking every five years now because fucking technology advances so quick. Right. That you're probably looking at a 19-year-old being like, oh, these fucking, <laughs> these 19-year-olds and the shit that they're getting up to. But it's only seven years difference. Yeah, yeah. I'm late to the party, and I'm very bad at technology and all that. So, like, I'm out of the loop on everything. Really? Yeah. So, so even though, because you're 26, you're, you're, you're actually a cusp, you're a cusp Gen Z. Gen yeah. Z. You're, like, on the cusp between millennial and Gen Z. When you started doing comedy, you just wanted to be, like, straight stand-up? Pretty much. You know, I, I, I was always aware. I was, I was, like, dressed like you're old. So people, <laughs> so it's always suits and you know. All yeah, this. You, I noticed that you always had a blazer. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, people would be this the disappointment in other comedians who I you know become friends with, and you're like they're in their mid thirties, and they're like, "How old are you? 20? Oh Jesus Christ! You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm friend. They're friendly with someone so young. You that snuck in. 
um, yeah, so I'm aware of like, yeah, I, I always, yeah, I was a bit conscious of that because uh, I don't know why. Yeah, but I mean that—that's fine. You—you you, know—that—that that, that was a thing you got in your head that it should be, I guess. Mm. But 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 the reason why I was asking that is because so many people at your, you know, that are your age. Sure. They they actually got into the game through the technology. Right. Right. So it's surprising to me that actually, that that does that doesn't really enter your mind, other than yeah. the necessity of nowadays wanting to advance your career, probably rather than yeah, yeah. Because I'm always jealous of the youngsters how how familiar they are with the technology. Right, yeah, I know. I am. It's lost on me. Oh man, I, I, I fucking, I'm, I'm breaking my heart with the fucking technology. I, I mean, know. I'm getting there now, but it did take ages. I mean, it wasn't natural to me. Yeah, it's like starting again, though. You know, you have to learn how to do all these, fucking you know, other skills. Yeah. Yeah, it's really time consuming. Yeah. But um, I've just learned how to give myself a dog face. That's all. That's as far as I've gotten. You <laughs> 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 get far with that. I know, but you do get a good few days out of a new out of a new filter. <laughs> you know, like it is amazing how much crack you get out of a new filter, and then and then suddenly you know you're like, oh god, that that like TikTok. I know TikTok yeah. is not not a filter; it's an entire app yeah. that it, that is changing people's lives. But I got about <laughs> two weeks out of that, and then I was like, oh, I, I think I've experienced all the enjoyment I'm going to get out of TikTok. Right, right. And clearly not for me. But the dog filter, I have to say, <laughs> Joanne McNally introduced me to the dog filter. Yeah, and it is good crack. <laughs> Are you, uh, have you used the dog filter? No, I can't, no. You have such big fucking hair, though. You need a fucking huge filter to cover the whole fucking head. <laughs> I know, it's a nightmare. I'm trying to get, like, a poster stone up for, you know, Edinburgh. <laughs> and they crop around the amount of days spent cropping around Afro hair. It's, it's yeah, but you, yeah, you, you, uh, yours is really, yours is really popping out now at the moment. I know, it's, I know. It's, it's big. I mean, I love it. Listen, I'm actually... I'm a big <laughs> fan of the afro. Oh yeah. I mean, I've I've like a half an afro myself, but I, actually, I mean, on, on women, I got like a oh, yeah. I got like a thing for for <laughs> afros. I, I was I was dating a woman uh, in in America who had when she fucking let it out had an amazing afro, but she wouldn't do it all the time. You know. Yeah. But yeah. I do. I do have a, have a thing for it. But anyway, that's hilarious that it doesn't fit on your fucking post. You have to make your <laughs> you have to oh. make your head smaller. It's exactly exactly. Which is not you want you want to show the whole you you know yeah. you don't want to you don't want to be overtaken <laughs> by your hair you know no no oh that's hilarious now just on the age thing because I, I think it's so funny that you're like these younger comics because obviously you're <laughs> the you're the younger comic but yeah. to me by a, a by a multiple of two of the of the age difference that you've just described sure but uh, <laughs> but what I like about young comics say even when I was watching you or any of the young comics is sure. that. They just have takes on things that I just can't like. Like for example, like mm. I can't experience the modern world yeah. as as a twenty year old. I'd love to, but when I was twenty, it was just completely different. So yeah. it is fun to watch people, you know, and how they make sense of these things, and particularly around technology, just the normality of it for them. Mm. Like I am fascinated by that. Do, yeah. do are you are you starting to have those experiences yourself? Um. Or are you just watching these fucking twenty-year-olds being like, "Get off my fucking turf"? I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit like that. I feel like such an old man, and like I'll do stuff. I do, you know, material about you know technology and all this. And I feel like such an old fucker complaining about it. And people coming off going, "Oh, you know, uh, how old are you again?" And like, I'm actually your age. I'm actually younger than you. You know. Yeah. Well, how do you think I feel then? A fucking twenty-six-year-old coming complain about back in the day material. You're not. Um, you're I, not know. I didn't start that until I was forty years old. I, I the the first show. I, I remember the first show I started doing like the back in the day stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was forty. 
you know? Yeah. yeah. The, I, I think the opening joke of that stuff was, I'm 40, I'm not married, no kids. Right. You know, and like, I still do that joke, particularly in New York sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But I still say, when I turned 40, but it was four years ago, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But I uh, was 40, Martin. <laughs> I know, it's fair. And you started doing this shit fucking a year ago, probably, so you're 25. Well, I wouldn't be like back in the day. I see people who are like, you know, young people, like back in the day, I'm like, take your cap off before you start saying it. You can't, <laughs> you know. Oh, take your, take your baseball hat take off? Take your baseball hat off. <laughs> Yeah. Grow up a bit, you know. <laughs> but um, but to, so when when you started doing comedy, mm. what was the what was the kind of what did you you think? Because I know you evolve, everyone evolves as a comic. But what did you think your thing was, or what did you hope? What was your what, what what were your aspirations in terms of what you wanted to be on stage? Oh, I don't know. I just wanted to write good jokes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm like the least ambitious person, you know. Like every so often, I might go, "Oh, that'd be actually be nice to do that." You know, it'd be nice to get you know get twenty minutes together at the start. You know, and you sort of do that. And it's like, oh, I might do uh, do a show at Edinburgh, do that. Uh, and uh, you know, these are all very achievable aims. That but I do, you, do, you, do you think you're not ambitious, or that you just have a, like a like a like a your natural disposition is probably one that's quite adventurous? Because to me, mm. you say you're not ambitious, which of course is completely fine for you to say. Yeah. But I, I look at the things that you've done, and I think. It's not a sign of a man with no ambition. Not, sure. not that. Sure. By the way, I don't consider ambition to be negative in any way, shape, or form. But no, I, I, I just wonder if your baseline is probably maybe more ambitious than you realize. You know, I've. Uh, it's only been lately I've come to realize uh, if you're not to be. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be self-aggrandizing or anything. But I think no, I'm good. It, at, this is a safe space. <laughs> but say you're good at comedy. You know, you can get so far if you're good. If you're just naturally good, yes, and then you can sort of, you know, I, I've gotten some things, and I've, uh, I've been, do, I'm doing all right, uh, but I see people who work really, like you're someone who works really hard, and that is the next level. You have to work very hard, and you have to be to a degree ambitious, and be like, I want to do this, this, yes. and plan out, you know, everything. And I'm starting to do that now, uh, but I, I was a bit lazy for a while. I was like, oh, I've got a good, you know, you know, whatever, my set, whatever. And, and after a while, I see people who are like working really hard, and I was like, you know, that's what you need to be. Yeah, but that's maturity as well as everything else, you know. Mm. And 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 I think you just get to that point. You yeah. know, to be honest, that point that you got to yeah. is a place that a lot of people stop. It's a yeah. place where a lot of people go, "All I ever wanted to do is do this for the crack, and I'm not ready to do that next bit." You know what? I really I saw myself slipping into uh, oh, it's a fun hobby. You know, there's a risk of comedy becoming a hobby. And I'm like, no, that's I don't get it. I don't get people who are like, "I'll just do it for for a bit of a laugh." Yes, you know. And um, yeah, and and did you, did you? Um, I sort of caught myself just going, "I'm not taking this seriously enough." Yeah, you know. But I think a lot of people, a lot of people will get to that point, you know. Mm, no. Particularly no. because you know what happens too is when you start, it's so fucking exciting. Right. And then, there there always comes a realization of this is hard work, and you know sometimes for a while even maybe this happened to you, I don't know. Mm. You kind of not sure if you're into the into that part. Sure, sure. It's. It's the rest of the stuff that comes along with it, you know. There's, uh, there's things like I, I. It's a shame comedy is you can't just be very good at it. <laughs> uh, you need to be need able to, be lucky. to lucky. You need to be able to a degree to uh, not necessarily, but you need to be able to network and talk to the right yes. people and all this sort of stuff, which I'm terrible at. Mm. But I've uh, somehow stumbled my way through, and uh, yeah, charmed people somehow. Yeah, sure. But, um, but all that stuff is part of it, and you know, a, a lot of people hate that. Now, yeah. it's not—it's not everything. Obviously, no. 
agents are supposed to you know agents are supposed to cover that end to a sure. certain degree you're meant to you're supposed to be a bit of focus on your art but i feel like the industry has actually changed quite a bit even since i started mm. and all that stuff is more important than it used to be yeah and I, I think a lot of the reason is and i don't want to digress from what we're talking about but i think a lot of the reason is is because the industry has, has gone so broad and open the power brokers are are, are more diverse mm. so it's actually really important to figure out who you need to t it used to be just a lot easier to know this is what I need to do. I'll do this. Yeah. I may or may not succeed at it. If I do, I get to the next level. That's yeah. not the case anymore. There's so many avenues. Yeah. So yeah. that makes it quite tough. Yeah. And no, no one knows, you know, if it'll work. You know, there is a, no one knows what to do. And I think there's an element of that. A hundred percent. But on the flip side, the great thing is that you can just be creative and hope that something sticks. Yeah. But at the same time, just on, on the maturity front, mm. I mean, I, I think a lot of a lot of grown up it's like the same in any career I think anybody listen to this it's not it, they'll be identifying not because it's about comedy but just right. because you, you do hit a point at whatever whatever age you mature at you mm -hmm. do hit a point you go oh I, I, I gotta I gotta get serious about this for for you know if I want to take it to the next level that, that, I think every, a lot of people experience that yeah yeah I was at one of these there was a moment there was like a oh, yeah I won't, I won't mention names I was at this party this comedy, these comedy parties and I was looking around the room, and I was like, "The only everyone else, everyone here isn't really—they're not really a comedian, and you know they—they they do it, but they're not. It's not their job. It's not." I was like, oh, "Why am I hanging out with these people? Not not to be like, or I don't want to end up at like this sort of thing. Like this, there are people who are sort of part-timey comedians. Yeah, like it's an identity. It's like something to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, there uh, one rung above. There's people who like do a handful of gigs and claim to be comedians to seem cool." So basically, you were motivated by sort of looking at what you were afraid yeah. you might end up becoming. Yeah, it's easy to get like you know uh, sucked into the social aspect. And, sure, sure. You know. Yeah, but I think that's all good. I, I know you're probably afraid of thinking, oh, maybe I'm coming across as arrogant. Yeah. But no, I think it's important to 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 know what you want to be. See, this is the problem. Sometimes I feel like in Ireland, well, certainly this is something I experienced in the early part of my career. Is I, I I never saw myself as hardworking, but I just naturally fucking. Sure. I just naturally had like a, you know, I started the internet, you know, I took over the yeah. Thursdays, you know, I, 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 I love just doing shit. I wasn't thinking of it as ambition. Right. But a lot of people would be like, oh, you know, you're very ambitious. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, oh, sorry, I'm just fucking doing what I like doing. Yeah. You know, and yeah. part of this is I, I like progressing and I, I like the challenge of trying to get to the next level. I like the challenge of trying to be the best on stage every time I get on stage. Yeah. You know. In the same way that I like beating my friend when I play squash, we walk up to squash court with best friends. But at the same time, like I'm still want to be the best on this thing. I think that's yeah. like a healthy competitiveness. And all this talk about ambition seemed to be like a fucking disease mm. in Ireland. And I would be like, well, what are you doing then? <laughs> right. You know, because because I, I want to make a career out of this. I don't know what you want, but I I fucking love doing this. I'm already making a bit of money. Yeah. I'd like to I'd like to fucking really you know succeed. Mm. I and you know at, at the time there was an element of. You know that that was like a dirty word or something. You know? Right, right, right. So I think it's better nowadays that people can just be upfront and honest and say, "Yeah, I'm gonna fucking, you know, I yeah. wanna, I wanna be, I wanna be better at this. I'm gonna take it seriously." Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's more fun anyway. Yeah. You, know? you see, the the only difference between me and you there is I love doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah. lie around and doing nothing. Well, but, yeah. Sorry, I have noticed doing, you know, working a bit harder now, and I'm trying to, you know. Stick to a schedule of, you know, actually writing and d doing all this admin and stuff you have to do. Okay, well, let me ask you a more serious question on that front. Mm. Do you, are you happier when you're doing more or are you actually happier when you're doing nothing? 
Oh boy, I can do nothing very well. It's <laughs> very enjoyable. But you're, like, but like, so, it's a different feeling, you know. When, yeah. you, when you've done a lot, when you had a good days of, of, of work, and you've done, you know, you're like, oh, I, I was, I'm writing this thing, and I've just fixed. There's a bit that didn't work. I'm fixing it, or whatever, or I'm pitching this thing, uh, or whatever you're working on. And if you get it, if you get it, sort of, um, I suppose, well, I'm, one of those, I'm never happy, fully happy with something. That if you're sure, right, you know? which is what you want to be. Yeah, but if you all the best, right. you're never fucking happy. <laughs> yeah, you're like it's uh, the least shit it will be for now. Uh, or you're, I'm happy enough to like share it as, as, as it is. Yes, that kind of thing. Uh, when, when, he, when he works hard on something, it's a different. Fe- you feel like a, 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 I feel like I feel like I've accomplished something, and it's better. It is, I suppose, better than doing nothing. You know, <laughs> feeling like you've done something. Yeah, yeah. But definitely. I also think that uh, in terms of that, mm. uh, you know, the um, you never feel like it's good enough or whatever. Yeah. The great thing about stand up is you can constantly evolve. Mm. The frustrating thing about the social media game and the way it's going now with the content which yeah. which i have to say i get a kick out of i get a kick out of the challenge of you know trying to do good content sure the problem is that that content is forever at that state yeah which yeah. is you know I, that, that, that the great thing about stand-up is that you're you know you're you're always i mean i'm only slightly distracted here by the fact that we are i'm dealing with a very timid driver on a um there's an accident here and uh, this car was being a little timid, but um, I, you know, I, I, I don't like the fact that when the when the content goes up, it can never be changed. Now those, mm. bi- I don't stop doing those bits. Those bits often get better. Yep. But, yeah. But but sometimes, even in an entire tour. Yeah. I think the most people that will see me would be what like, I, I, I nowadays probably sixty or seventy thousand entire tour. Mm. Whereas like one of those bits, you know, three minute bit. Yeah. Will easily be seen by three or four hundred thousand people. Right. So, it's yeah. it's kind of an it's annoying, yeah. even though it's so effective. Sure, sure. And it's so much fun. The likes and the comments. Mm. You do get that thing that you're talking of. Uh, this is, I'll never be happy, but I just gotta fucking get it up. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about the whole content thing. Right. Because uh, I've got a theory. One of my uh, <laughs> hit me, hit me with your theory. Philosophies that I have now. Is if if you see everyone doing something, probably don't do that. Right. So content is a big one where a lot of comedians, do it, a lot of comedians at my level, just throwing it out there, and to me it looks like uh, even people who do it well, it's a lot of throwing shit at a wall, hoping something will stick. But that is literally what it is. Yeah, and I'm not well. I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> like I don't really follow it. You know, uh, I don't really follow any of these people. Yes, you know, every so often a foil arms and hog video will come up or whatever that go that you know takes off. That's the only yes. way I hear about these things. Yes. Uh, so I'm thinking maybe the way to do it is to do less content but do it very well and work really hard on it. That's what, sort of my thinking right now. <laughs> I mean, but but I don't think that's a bad plan. Yeah. But the the thing is that if you're going to do it that way, I recommend doing a lot of it during that time where you're working on it making sure it's really good and mm. then putting it up regularly for a period of time yeah because I feel like sporadic good videos in terms of the way the content game seems to be working are not as effective as if you say for the next 12 weeks every Thursday we're going to put up um, you know uh, a high level vid that we've been we know, you know not a high sure. level vid but just some really good thing that you've been working on yeah yeah I don't know I just feel like I can't compete with uh, p- 
people who know how to use dog filters. I know, but it's, see, it's you know that it's more than just dog filters. I mean, yeah. the truth of the matter is that, say, for example, foil arms and hogs videos, mm. they're fucking good vids. They're sketches. Yeah. You know, the sketch... And, and listen, I mean, it's nothing to do with RTE, but RTE mm. wouldn't give them a fucking sketch show. No. And in the end, you know, they, they started doing content, and I, I believe they, there was a content site that actually... How they ended up going regular, I believe, was a content site you know, did like a deal with them or something. But don't quote me on that. Right. But anyway, they suddenly discovered that you know, a decent sketch every Thursday was was getting a ton of views and now, you know, they're hugely successful. And the thing is that what is the difference between that and putting together five sketches a week for six weeks on an RT show 20 years ago that probably would have broke them in a similar way? Sure. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like I totally get what you're saying about shit, throwing shit against the wall and, and it, uh, hoping it'll stick, mm. which I do think a lot of the content is, particularly more of the throwaway stuff you know people that more personality driven stuff like almost like this sort of youtuber kind of a vibe i i I do get your criticism but then on the flip side i think but not all of it is that and because the television game is well it's dying yeah what's what's stopping you finding a way to do content in the way that you because that's the whole thing is like you can do whatever you want yeah true so it's not dog filter yeah you know what i mean right yeah, yeah, what, yeah, good point. What, what's stopping you other than fear? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Well, only because I felt, I feel that you're always going to get better, mm. right? Well, I think in general, if you're working regularly, you're going to get better. Yeah. And I, I, you'll always look back on stuff that you did 10 years. Like, I would, I would take back and at least re-edit, let alone re-perform, all of my <laughs> early specials. Yeah. Every single one. Right. I'd take them back, especially now that I've been living in the States and sure. you know, I feel like my style's changed a bit. Yeah. My perception of what's good has changed completely. Yeah. And I watch some of my early shit and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, we ever get to the fucking punchline already. <laughs> but all those things were fucking hilarious to people at the time. Sure. I loved them at the time. Sure. And I've changed as a human being. But so you have to fucking just put the stuff out there. You're right. You're right. I mean, because otherwise it'll, it'll never get up. Yeah. yeah. And, and the problem is... W- w- where do you go with it nowadays anyway? I know, I know. That's that, that, that's what I want. I mean, listen, man, I've, I've, had, a, I've had a good career. You know, I, 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 I guess you'd say it's successful. But I, I, I'm, I'm fucking with the content now. But it's more just because I get a kick out of it. Sure. I don't know. I worry about throwaway stuff. I, I look, I don't know. I'm one of those people I'd look back and go. The thing that I don't like about the internet is that it's there forever. Yes. And if you... I agree with that. You know. And but every... but. But okay, so I'll, I'll change it around. The the every everything that I ever did on television is pretty much there forever too. So sure. it was always going to be that way. Mm. Like in that, if you stay in the game long enough, yeah. you're going to want to get shit on the telly. Now the telly doesn't matter, so you're going to want to get shit in a pl- in a high traffic viewing environment. Sure, whatever that is, and there are many options. So what what's the difference? I mean, in the end, you're going to encounter this. No matter what generation you're doing comedy in, well, certainly in the age of television, you were mm. going to encounter this moment anyway. Yeah, yeah. So what, what, like, what's the difference? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Not that I'm here to debate your. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, good point. You win. I just uh, no, but I just believe in you. So I just, I just sometimes I fear that people and I, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. But but the 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 over or sort of the. 
number one, the criticism of the stuff that you consider throwaway, which is totally fine, but also the 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 not wanting to throw your stuff up. Yeah. I just I I wonder sometimes is it fear, and I could be completely wrong, and I'm open for you to say no. Hmm. I think it's just uh, being highly critical of stuff. You know, being like, is this good enough quality? Like even like even clips. I look at stand-up clips I put up, and I'm like, I wish I you know was able to get two camera, three cameras on this. Or, yes. You know all that stuff. You know, you look at you know again people my level. A lot of us put up clips. And it's, you know, <laughs> range from decent quality to very low quality sort of stuff, you know, in terms of being filmed, the way it's filmed. Yeah. You know? and that, but that seems to be the thing, you know. You but know, you put subtitles on, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Listen, man, I have this fucking stupid throwaway bit about the difference between Kulak and Malahide. It was, it was literally like an old mm. bit of banter I would do at the beginning of my Vicar Street gigs because there was... Don't ask me why. There was always somebody from Kulak in my front row. It was just like a, like a, like a, like a, I, I, it was a 50% chance they were going to be from Kulak. So I had like a Kulak bit, you know? So recent Vicar Street show, somebody said they were from Kulak or Malahide, whatever. And I have this bit about, you know, that Malahide's the best place in Dublin because not only is it on the sea, but you have to drive through Kulak so you get great gratitude that you live in Malahide, right? It's a stupid <laughs> joke. Yeah. I fucking recorded it. I banged it up online. The fucking thing went like guns especially on the north side I yeah. couldn't go to the north side everyone's like fucking cool like it was fucking hilarious right? <laughs> and, but that was like shit quality bad sound I put the subtitles on it yeah. so the internet doesn't care yeah yeah And so so my question is I, every fucking stand up thing I've ever filmed and I'm talking about the most expensive one right. to the cheapest one yeah there are things about it that bug me and mm. that's because you'll always be hypercritical of yourself do you know that editors don't like when the comedian is in the room because they want to fucking change everything yeah. But the truth of the matter is that you're noticing things that nobody else gives a fuck about. Yeah. yeah. Only you. Yeah. And I get it. It's totally fine. You're an artist. We're all artists. To a degree, you're right. But then if if it's stopping the stuff getting up, then it's it's chronic. Sure. That's like overly critical, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I put stuff up sporadically, but it's not enough. Yeah. And I'm trying to crack the way to do it because I, I don't know. Because I, I, I've had one clip that sort of took off a bit. And uh, it was a shitty sort of camera. It wasn't the best thing. And, uh, you know, in a month it got like 20,000 views or whatever yeah. on Facebook or something. And uh, <laughs> it's before I had Twitter or Instagram. Is, yeah. But uh, uh, I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm a Gen X. I'm not down on Facebook. No? I, no, I think, I, I think Facebook is my biggest market, just, wow. for, just for the record. So you won't, you won't see me being like, oh, God, Facebook. I don't know, but people keep saying, oh, you know, Facebook's dead now. Yeah, right? but they're full of shit, first of all. Yeah. Because they all say Facebook's dead, and I guarantee you, they've all looked at Facebook that day. Right. They're all on fucking Facebook. Yeah, yeah. You know, they think it's dead because they're not even aware that they're flicking away. They're just not posting. Right. So they think Facebook's dead, but they're all fucking flicking. It's one of the things that they do is, is flick on, fl on Facebook. Mm. You know, I mean, Facebook's not dead. And, and to be honest, when it comes to ticket sales, the Facebook interface is far superior to the Instagram interface. Sure, sure. You know, and Four Alarms and Hog, for example, they're getting the highest amount of views on, on their Facebook feed. You know, the video, yeah. the video, the news feed in Facebook is actually, it's superior to Instagram. You know, mm. I prefer, I actually, I, I, I use Instagram a lot more than Facebook nowadays. How, at the same time, I think I still watch most of my videos on Facebook. Right. You know? Yeah. Anyway, Facebook fucking owns them all anyway. That's what's hilarious. People are like, Facebook's dead. It's like, <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. they fucking own them all, you know? <laughs> anyway, well, so you put up on Facebook. Yeah, and this thing got takes off. Now, uh, then I try, I was like, okay, uh, I've got a few more followers here. I better capitalize on it, put some more stuff up. 
and uh, worked really hard. I was like, oh, get a, get a, do, pull in a few favors, get a few cameras on a few things. Never takes off as much. I know, I know, but that, that, that's why I was telling you before we turned on the mic yeah. that it's the quantity over the quality that matters because the algorithm just, don't ask me why, but every now and then, mm. whatever the fuck is going on in your clip just pings. Right. I had the same experience. I had this consent bit, bit about consent. I fucking, it's probably took me the longest to get that bit right than, than any bit that I've done for quite a while. You know, just right. like trying to get the balance of, you know, an effective message about consent with, mm. with being funny and not being preachy. Yeah. And just, you know, the right mix of punchlines and all this. And, it, you know, a lot of uncomfortable, you know, like crowds, just like, just a lot of toing and froing on the right way. And finally, I get this bit where, like, you could do it in Mullingar. And it would get as much of a reaction. Nobody pulling back, you know, because it always <laughs> would do well in Dublin, you know. Sure. If I can write on Dublin people, <laughs> feminists in the crowd, you know, like they, they, they go for it straight away. But I wanted to get it for like Mullingar proof, mm. you know, roundabout friendly. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 I have it now. I'm nailing it on the regular. So I recorded it in Galway. Couldn't wait to get this up. I, I, I couldn't wait to be crowned the, the woke comedian of 2019. <laughs> King of king of the passive aggressives and uh i put it up and like it did nothing i didn't get all the fucking i didn't get all the plaudits from the feminists that i was expecting yeah and uh, i mean i'm i'm 50 percent joking here but i'm i but i really did think that it was going to go great guns because it had all the sure. it had all the ingredients for like a for like a fucking thumbs up yeah yeah and uh <laughs> nothing i mean uh. F- uh, not nothing but like yeah not one that takes off right right now on the flip side a couple of weeks later, even though I already had it up on YouTube for months and it did nothing, mm. I put up my period sex bit. Yeah. And one day, I'm fucking my Facebook's fucking hopping, and I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" And that bit exploded and got it now has like four million views on fucking Facebook. Yeah. And like, I have all these fucking female followers from, you know, like I just get messages like from these women that all their other stuff is in other languages, and. Uh, and that was I just put that up for the crack right you know so if, if you if you don't do it on the regular mm. you won't get the chance to have that moment sure sure and it is handy I mean at the end of the day if you got a regular content thing going like for example the thing you were showing so tell me about the thing you were showing me because obviously you know there's going to be at least a few thousand people listening to this so mm. you might as well promo that my podcast yeah, because yeah. it's the anti-podcast podcast, which I, you know, I like. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're. you're uh, what I like about you, Martin, is you're honest about the fact that you're anti-throwaway. You're anti, yeah, just flipping, chucking it out there, <laughs> seeing if it sticks. So, yeah. what's the podcast? So the podcast, the Canary Podcast. The idea originally was uh, the Canary in the gold mine. You're looking for comedy gold. So we're so I was tr- trying stuff out on this other guy, Jerry Stoughton, very funny comedian. And um, it's turned into, it's like 15 minutes or less, basically. And it's just uh, me, it's sort of sketches and characters and all weird stuff. And we do sort of parodies of like, you know, we had Jer on first dates, so we inserted him into an episode and all this sort of stuff. We get, you have an animator in and we're looking to, well, we have some options with it. We might be taking it different places. Um, but that's one where you know I sit and write it, and it's a lot. It's a, bit, it's a, lot, more, a lot of work for for a podcast. It's a lot of work for a lazy motherfucker, self-admitted lazy motherfucker like you. <laughs> yeah, I mean you you can't really do it while driving. It's that, it's that yeah, kind for of podcast. example, for example, perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I really enjoy it though because it is a bit of work to write it, and um, quite happy with a lot of it. And the people who love it, there are 
I don't get a lot of it, but when people, so very rarely people come up to me after gigs and be like, they'll just quote a, a line from someone in the podcast or something and be like, I love this, you know. Yeah, but how satisfying is that? That's it's the best, yeah. It's the best. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. you got to feed them. Yeah, yeah. They're hungry. <laughs> no, because you're, you, you're, everybody's unique. You mm. know, like, like obviously there's plenty of hack stuff out there. There's plenty of stuff out there that you've seen a million times. Sure. But then at the same time, even amongst the stuff that you've seen a million times, there's still somebody's take on that. Yeah. You know, and like, if you have a unique thing that you're putting out, there's people out there that will consume it. And the great thing about content is the people that get into consuming it, there's mm. a, there's a, there's a, there's a greater connection than the way things used to go out before. This is my personal opinion. Yeah. And, and, and there's a loyalty that comes with that and they will come and see you. And yeah. that is what you want. Really. You want them to see, and it's not a selfish thing. It's not like I want to get these people's money. No, you want to perform. You're a performer. Sure. You want people who like your performances to see your performances. That's the game. Yeah. They're happy to give you money for entertainment. That's what you are. You're an entertainer. Yeah. So I, that's what I, I think you should put it out, especially because it's got a quirky, you know, a different, it's a different take. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that might be the thing that actually takes it to the next level for you, but it only works online when it's regular. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is actually the only way that it works. Because it can't be random. I mean, no. even this podcast kind of faded away at two different occasions because I got too random with it. Right. People expect, you know, the same way that they used to expect, uh, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm once a week. You know, like, if sure. you're announcing a season, it's got to be up for 10 weeks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I might do, I don't know. We might do a se- we might do the, the podcast as a series. And I think you should do it as a series. Yeah, I think. I got that advice from Acast, by the way, just to just to impart that this isn't yeah. coming from me. Acast had said to me, because I, I told them, you know, Acast look after these uh, my two podcasts, right? But they're like mm. a podcast, you know, yeah. uh, provider or whatever. And uh, I had told her, eh, fucking Des Bishop podcast, you know, I let it slip twice now. And, uh, you know, she's when I said, but but I said, I, what I, what I'm doing with the shift is I have a partner, so you know it's easier to get it up every week. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, well, you know, you can do seasons, and that really takes the pressure off yourself. Yeah. And a lot of people have had great success with seasons because when the season finishes, people don't get upset because right. they know that that's the end of it. Sure. So, yeah, this is, the market research has uh, has wow. been done on this, Martin. Wow. So you're running out of excuses. I am. I'm not not that I'm the fucking. Tony Robbins of Irish comedy here, but you know, I, uh, I I didn't I didn't have you on the podcast to motivate you, but it's just turned into now. I'm well, I like where you're at. I like where you're at. I, yeah. I I like the fact that you're on this, you know, this shitter get off the pot moment. Whether it is or not, I don't know, but it sounds like it to me. I think so. I think so. Like, because it's been so yeah, 26. Now. I've, I've been doing comedy seven years nearly, and uh, it Which is for the record was the was the exact amount of time when my life changed. Really? 1997, I did my first gig. 2004, the work experience went on the television. Wow. Now, that was luck. That was like a lucky break. But I yeah. do feel that it is around that it is around that time where you start to feel like something's got to fucking happen here. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So me and, so me and Jer, actually, we were, we've been talking about it. Basically, it's getting to time now where, yeah, you want something to really happen. And but you got to do it, man. You got to get over. You got to yeah. get over a little bit of your resentment against content. I'll tell you why. Mm. When I was doing comedy seven years, I had a lucky break. But there were yeah. plenty of fucking great comedians around me that didn't get that break. Sure. And they would have loved to have YouTube. And it did not exist, just yeah. for the record. You know, it, it wasn't out yet. Or if it was, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't part of the lexicon yet. Right. And they would have loved to have just had an outlet. And I, I think some of those guys 
I'm not going to name any of them, but mm. some of the guys from that time, they would have become internet sensations because they were putting out fucking great content, but they had nowhere to go because all you had was RTE yeah. or British television, which was hard to fucking break into. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, you know, I, I, I don't think you owe the previous generations anything, Mark. <laughs> At the same time, yeah. don't, don't underestimate how great it is to be able to sit down with Jerry Staunton and say, let's fucking do this. Because I've seen the animations. The animations are good. Yeah. The technology exists <laughs> that you can do that. That yeah. used to be, those animations used to cost fucking gazillions of dollars to do. Yeah. And now you can just bang those out. I mean, that is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. We need, to, we need to work hard at this. No, but you just need to do it. I actually don't think you need to work harder. I actually Let's think you need, to, you need to just fucking chuck it up. Mm. And, and, and I think that once you begin, it's so much easier to keep going. It's yeah. actually the fucking... No, but the thing is that you've already done that. Right. You just have to commit to doing it on the regular. Sure. Because you've chucked them up already. Yeah. But I think you should commit to doing them on the regular. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. For you. The Des Bishop <laughs> Podcast listeners will be checking up on you. <laughs> Martin. Oh, God. Yeah. The pressure's on now. So on a personal level, did you oh, did you make a conscious decision like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a comic that talks about that I grew up in Ireland I was a little different was that like a thing that you said to yourself or well, just you weren't inspired by that stuff? A uh, bit of it was a bit like uh, the sort of best material on sort of I suppose what you call black to you, yeah the black perspective I was like I'm not gonna I'm not I'm no Chris Rock you know I, was, I thought like an Aryan I'm not gonna be have a good bit a bit as good as that. Um, and also, I was a bit like set myself a challenge when I started out. Yes, I didn't. I didn't swear the first, say, year and a half. Didn't talk about race. I just basically just wrote loads of jokes. Yes. And um, once I started swearing, it was a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, you know, that's part. Maybe you know. It, do you think if you started swearing, it's easier? Or also, you were get you you. Because that's who you really are, you know. If you're if you're not swearing, it's almost like you're not being yourself. Mm. Well, I don't. I wasn't. I don't think I was that swear. I think doing comedy makes you more sweary. Right. Okay. So I definitely became a lot more sweary doing it, and uh, ruined you as a human being. A little bit. A little. I'm so. You know. I'm. Yeah. I feel like such a cynical fucker now. You know. I look at looking at other comedians, or even like looking at like. Uh, so there's a pop. You know. You talk to people about potentially doing things to in the. You know, developing maybe. I don't know something for radio or yes. whatever, or the RT player and stuff like this. And uh, the cynical part of me is like, "Oh, this isn't going to happen," you know. Or they're, I'll, I'll tell them they're, they're they're loving the idea now, but they're going to come back with something completely changed and like they want me to, you know, I don't know, you know, do, do something that a producer has written that's not funny. Well, some uh, of that's rational. Yeah. Some of that's not cynical. It's true. Yeah, it does happen. <laughs> has happened. But um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, but part of me is a bit. I did have an attitude of just like, oh, what's the point? In, in but did you, know. you consider like the? Did you consider the material about like, hey, I was different growing up, mm. as 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 the easy route? A little bit, and it's a bit like I have a joke now about how uh, being a black comedian is like a, uh, you're, you actually have to mention the fact that you're black because yeah. uh, you know people still laugh, but after about five minutes, they do look at me like, does this guy even know he's black? You know. He hasn't brought it up. <laughs> yeah, is he funny. aware? That you know, <laughs> it's sort of that a is, true thing. Yeah, that is funny though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I guess the only reason I ask <laughs> is because as an, I, I'm an immigrant to Ireland, but also because America mm. is so multicultural and we're so obsessed with each other's like background slash identity. Sure. I just quite like, I like the material of this is what it's like growing up as a 
as a the child of a Namibian woman in Ireland. Yeah. N- not not as much based on the fact that it's about your race. Right. But just more that it's based on the fact that you you have this unique. Yeah. Up, you know, you have a unique upbringing. You know, and it, in a way, I feel like it's not fair because that joke is very funny about you being black and people saying he hasn't brought up being black yet which is 100% true I I think that's a fucking great observation and it's really funny but then on the flip side I think it's unfair that you have to question whether it's cool to bring up your own upbringing right right because it's such a rich vein of material for everybody yeah yeah you know what I mean yeah the reason I mean I didn't I don't think I have a particularly unique well my mom she speaks with a Dublin accent She's the same same observations you'd make with like uh, anyone else's mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't that mu- like the African influence is a little bit of there, but I I don't know. I feel like I was I don't know. It's not, it doesn't apply to me really. Yeah, and if it doesn't inspire you, which is totally fine. You know? yeah, yeah, I was just curious if because I know people do that sometimes. They just say I'm not going to do the my mother was this and my dad was this, so yeah. I'd be the you know sure this you know this you yeah know, which which, was, which is it's totally fair enough you know. But yeah. I think obviously. It's it it's it's oh yeah I need to get petrol. That's another thing when you start doing a podcast you forget that you need, <laughs> you need to get petrol. But uh, I I think um, the, 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 there is also a pressure because you're 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 you know timing wise mm. timing wise you're uh, um, what's the word like lobbed in with yeah. uh, with the first generation of Irish immigrant children. Sure. Right, which I was trying to talk to with Iman a bit, but we got into something else completely. But yeah. the thing is that you guys are, are are the first of your kind. Now, as it turns out, you weren't part of a wave, right? And that your mother doesn't really fit the, you know, which was I guess largely Nigerian immigration into Ireland in and around the sort of early '90s, mid '90s. Yeah. That was like a moment in time, right? Mm. And then all those kids are 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 coming through, pretty similar age to you. Yeah. But you're not really, you're not kind of part of that click. Not really. I've got two black friends. I've yeah, got, yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. No, no. I don't know enough about it. I know because to me, I, I'm fascinated by only because I watched it happen. You know, like mm. I came in 1990. I was a little early. Yeah. I, I don't really consider myself an immigrant because we're more like you know re- repatriated fucking you sure. know like uh, exiles children. You know, <laughs> like expats returned or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Irish Americans. You know, always saw myself as Irish anyway. Blah blah blah. Yeah. So. Uh, but but you know I remember in the mid '90s like it changing and I remember the atmosphere changing. Mm. So I you know now when I when I meet kids in their 20s like Dublin accent kids you know parents were Nigerian. Mm. I just love that because I was like I always wondered how this would turn out. <laughs> you know, like because but only because I saw it happen. Yeah yeah. And at the time the angry people were like. Well, we're fucking, you know, well, this is going to be the same problem they have all over the world. There's going to be fucking ghettos. But right. as it turns out, all the African immigrants' children are all pretty fucking motivated. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, education was important to them. And, like, all the things that people said were going to happen, of course, they didn't fucking happen. Right, right. And, you know, and it's the same with the Eastern European immigrants and everything, too. Like, you know, I I, I prefer I prefer that. You know, I, I, I like, the, you know, I got in trouble for doing jokes about mixing up the gene pool and all that, yeah. that it would be, you know, better for Ireland. But, but on a serious note, I... Maybe because I was from Queens and I grew up around a lot of different cultures. Right. I always thought Ireland would be better for it. Mm. And I think it is. Yeah. But I think I care about it more than you. And in a way, it's great that you didn't have any unique experience because it shows that despite a lot of criticisms that people get in Ireland, Mm. that actually Ireland's pretty welcoming. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Pretty much, you know, and I've been around most of it, and it's uh, been all... I've never... You know, it's another joke of the the tragedy of... Uh, uh, never actually having really suffered really bad. <laughs> yeah, be much funnier gig, dude. You, I mean, <laughs> you God, material. If you ever there was a time it. to make up a story, I mean, Jesus <laughs> Christ, Martin, come on, it's a guaranteed article in the fucking Guardian. I know, I know. My yeah. experience trying to make my friends laugh in school to save me from racism. <laughs> you know, I think there's another thing with this sort of, uh, you know, material about you know, uh, identity, you know, sort of. Resisting sort of the whole playing the yes your card or whatever, uh, I think there's a I think it's done a lot. I think it's been overdone a bit. I think people are quite used to it. So well, particularly in the states, it's overdone. Mm, I uh, mean, it's just straight up hack. Yeah, I think the surprise now is to not mention it and just you know. I agree. I mean, I totally agree with you. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, so I, it's a reason for not doing it as well. Yeah, yeah, no, but I, I get that, and I, I think that's great, you know. Mm. I also think it's great that you weren't inspired to do it because of a lack of negative experiences, which is <laughs> yeah. fucking really, help, you know. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's universal across the board, but at the same time, you know, I, th- I think it's great that, you you know, you just had like a fucking normal, yeah, just a normal-ass upbringing, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why everyone gets so fucking hung up on it anyway, but... <laughs> I've gotten into know, a big thing now, lately, I uh, don't know why, comedians whose opinions I don't agree with. You know, like these, you know, they market themselves as like right wing comedians. Right. And, uh, but there's a weird thing of like you, if they're funny enough, you have to go, it's funny. You know, you mightn't agree with it, but yeah, it's funny. Yeah. And it's a, I don't, yeah, it's a big, That's I don't another know. sign of maturity. <laughs> Becoming more right wing. No. But <laughs> no. just being like, you know, eh, it's fucking funny. I think so. And I think it's. Well, sometimes, you know. sometimes it's fine if it's just funny. Other times you, you'd be concerned that it's a little bit dangerous. But, yeah. you know, Often it's not that dangerous and people exaggerate the danger. Right, right. Which is unfortunate, you know? Yeah. I do think there are some problematic ones. Oh, yeah. But I also think there are ones that, that are kind of making, like, decent points in that it's the opposing point of view. Sometimes yeah. I think when people complain about free speech arguments, they're they're basically saying that hate speech is okay. Right. But then other times they're just saying, I'm not comfortable with this person's point of view. Sure. Where their point of view is, you know... It, 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 it's rational enough. You might not agree, but yeah, yeah. it's not outlandish. Right. But it's easy to dismiss them then. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know... Uh, you, you, know it's, you know they're bad when all they are are they market themselves as the edgy sort of uh, right-wing comedian. When it's like, it's like, it'd be like just being, me being the black guy. You know, it's, that's their thing is... Well, you can tell it's a decision that they made. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like they're playing the... You know, uh, free speech. You know, right wing card. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of guys on Twitter. Actually, a couple of guys that I like on Twitter. But the whole thing is suddenly now it's like the left this, the left that. They're right. Going at, and I, I don't right. like that because it, no. I, I, 
I don't like the fact that the discourse has just been divided into yeah. into two points of view. You're you're this or you're that. Yeah. I think that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. But I do think in our business, and I don't talk about it a lot because it doesn't. In terms of hack subjects, the whole like you can't say anything anymore subject is pretty hack. Mm. But on the flip side, uh, I, I do think our business is better when people aren't as uptight as they can be at times. Sure, you know? sure. But I think that people exaggerate the stifling censorship mm. that the uptight people are causing. Right. Do, does, is that clear? Wait, what do you mean? I, what I'm saying is that obviously there are there is an offense culture, right? There's people out there that are in the business of being offended. Yeah. And sometimes it's a bit tedious and it's a bit boring. Yeah. On the flip side, I don't think they're as powerful as people make out. And I right. don't think that it's actually, it hasn't created such an atmosphere of fear that people are afraid to say anything. Mm. I think that that is, a, that is like a position that people take when they want to... Um, Right. Protect certain bits of hatred and. <laughs> I don't know who was saying it. Someone was saying like, uh, you know, someone like, say, Chappelle. He, this sort of the people who complain, he needs something to fight against, and he doesn't really have being a rich guy and being very successful. He doesn't have as much to fight against, and a big thing now is this. And people identify with these people who are, you know, the complainers. So. Uh, well, yeah. How did you feel? Okay, let's just use that as an example. Okay. How did you feel about the Chappelle stuff? Um, I th it's weird, you know. I don't think he's say transphobic at all. I, w I wouldn't say I wouldn't call him that, but I think he said some uh, stuff I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be comfortable. So I wouldn't say myself. But uh, true at all on his last special, I thought he made one of the best trans jokes. You know, it, it, he was very clumsy in in previous specials. To get to a really good joke. Now, so that made, you know, this is the joke about the person, the, the in the car, the woman that killed. No, I actually didn't see the very last one. Ah, so he has a joke about uh, how the LGBT community, you know, they're all four worthy individual causes have been all lumped together. You know. Oh, is this the same one where he talks about the alphabet people? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I did see that one. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 And it's you know they're, they're all in the car and they don't get along. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was a very good bit. Yeah. That was a great bit. That's a great bit. And it's, you know, the trans in the back of the car being like, can you open the window? You're like, shut the fuck up, bitch. You know, really aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so th there's the question there. So, it's like, yeah. it, is Chappelle a better comic because he's not afraid to, to, to make the stumbles? Like he's made the stumbles, but he's, uh, and true it all, he's gotten to that great bit, you know? So, so, so th that, that's why I do feel there's an argument to suggest don't be overly concerned about the, mm. the outrage. Yeah. Because especially when you know that you're, you're trying to find something good, mm. it's not a big deal. Like, I mean, first of all, Chappelle is too successful to have been affected by... Exactly. By I mean, you know, if I was to mess up and say something horrible, I think, I don't know, I think I'd be easier to cancel than say, I mean, yeah, definitely than Chappelle. You know, the bigger you are, I think the harder it is, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know I, though. I'm not a big fan of cancel culture anyway, but no. I, I also avoid. I, I avoid it as a subject on all podcasts because sure. it just fucking it winds everybody up. And yeah, but anyway, I will, I, we, will we try? Will we try one now? Will we see if we can get ourselves canceled? Too? <laughs> oh no! I mean, I'm 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 not concerned about being canceled. I mean, the problem <laughs> with cancel culture is it is a, it, you know, it is a, it's it's a it's a it's a weapon of, of different groups that they can use mm. to, to suit their own agenda. It's I don't yeah. think, I actually don't think it's healthy discourse at no, all. No, no. You know? I just assume I associate it with online stuff. Yes. So, so, to me, it's all stuff that doesn't really matter. You know, it doesn't matter. But but I do think that it matters less than people think, mm. and that's what bothers me about 
say these right wing comics that get all bent, but you know, bent out of shape about this. You can't say anything more conversations. Yeah. yeah. Is because they're giving it too much credit. No, at the same time. I know that people have had very negative outcomes as a result of cancel culture. Sure. And some of it has not been fair. Mm. But I also think that its effect can be exaggerated. I also think it's diminishing because I do think that, you know, I guess advertisers and the various people that, that are moved by cancel culture have started to see that perhaps the, the negative effects to their brands are not as much as they would think by sticking by some of these so-called canceled people, you know? Right, right. And if any, the popularity of Joe Rogan... <laughs> shows right you know more than but even that you know even that like yeah some, something about joe, I, oh bernie sanders did joe rogan and then fucking certain communities were attacking bernie sanders for for being in a room with fucking joe rogan because he once yes one of the things he did was argue against uh, a, a trans woman fighting in the yeah. mixed martial arts yeah and you go like listen i, I did a whole episode on this on about a transphobia and like mm. I, I am, I am a big supporter of trans rights, but if we live in a world where somebody can't express concern for a, right. a, 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 a trans woman to, to fight in the MMA, now Joe Rogan might be wrong, mm-hmm. but he has to be allowed to express concern. Yeah, yeah. Because we're we're in a transition period where people don't under, quite understand it. Right. So, I, I mean, mean I'm no defender of Joe Rogan. Right. But. It, but it, but if Bernie Sanders is not allowed to talk to Joe Rogan because he was fucking questioning uh, yeah. if a trans woman should should be able to fight in the the, the women's MMA, yeah, like I, that that's too sensitive to me, right? In my right. opinion, it was that, and there's also because he has loads of right wing people on as well. That's another criticism of Bernie going on being like, oh, are you saying this is okay? You know, this kind of thing. Well, like, yeah, and I I I, there, yeah. I have a few problems with, with with Joe Rogan actually. Like for example, oh, yeah. like his his lack of questioning of Alex Jones and. Right. I get it. Right. He knows that it's going to be a hugely popular episode. Have Alex Jones on, and it's like all a bit of crack. Except right. that Alex Jones isn't a bit of crack, mm. and that—that's where I don't. That's where I fall out with the right-wing comic who says people should be allowed to say anything. It's like, well, no. Right. Right. Alex Jones should not be allowed to deny yeah. Sandy Hook. You know? Right. So yep. no. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's insane that Bernie Sanders is catching flack for going on fucking Joe Rogan. Right. Going on the biggest podcast in the world. In the world. Why wouldn't you do that? I like it's just it's fucking crazy. That's the whole thing. They eat their own. Yeah. You know? Because I'm like a left wing liberal guy, but at the same time, I'm not gonna fucking eat my own. I'm not gonna go after fucking Bernie Sanders for being on the most fucking popular fucking podcast. Yeah. Nobody's winning when right. they're fucking alienating themselves from fucking the yeah. average Joe angry man that you know, he's mm. angry because of his fucking circumstance more than anything else. Yeah. It's fine. You you can try to find a way to move that guy's mind. Right. You know, but Bernie has a much better chance of doing that being on fucking Joe Rogan than fucking moaning or going on fucking Twitter because <laughs> y- y- you're not following the perfect fucking formula of wokeness. Yeah. You know, because yeah. like... Everyone you, just needs to get off Twitter and all these things, I think. I agree, man. You know? But anyway, that's why I don't get into it. I get too wound up. Yeah. Because <laughs> like... Cause like I like to consider myself woke in that the original definition of woke was like somebody who was like trying to keep an open mind, trying to constantly maybe challenge themselves on, on you know, v- you know, viewpoints perhaps that are a bit dated or, you know, not being aware of your, your privilege, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then but then it, it, it just became much more about the people that were complaining about, you know, than it did about actually just trying mm. to better society. Yeah. And then it's just everyone looking for somebody to make a mistake to right. pounce on them, and that, that's where I fell out. That's where I fell out with the yeah. the angry, you know, outrage brigade. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's very. Yeah, it can be very annoying, and they don't see the sort of I suppose 
hypocrisies of the whole. Anyway, I don't. Yeah, that sucks. I don't want to go on about these people. <laughs> That's it, bro. That's you tough. Know? That's why I never have the chat. Yeah, I don't. I don't do it because it is. A, it's a. It's actually a difficult chat to it's have. It's bringing me down. Yeah, it brings me down, <laughs> man. Yeah. But 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 here's the positive. Right. None of them are as powerful as it seems. No. And you know that you're a good person. I know you're a good person. We're we're we're, we're trying to do good things with our, with our comedy. Mm. And even if we misstep, which can happen, sure. everybody makes mistakes. Plus, you grow as an individual, and perhaps things that you were comfortable saying ten years ago, you're not comfortable saying now. Mm. Uh, and you know, even if you misstep, you know that 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 wasn't your intention. And more often than not, you won't get canceled, despite sure. the fear of that of that. Yeah. You know, canceling coming. Yeah. But the other good news is we've been talking for an hour and five minutes. Wow. And we're in Port Leash. Nearly <laughs> ran out of fucking, nearly ran out of petrol in my, my, my new car. Uh, it's a great car, uh, by the way. Beautiful thank, car. Yeah. Now, it's another thing I don't discuss. <laughs> any, any any evidence of any, any, right. any, any wealth. So you, you, know, sure you don't want to say how much I'm getting paid tonight? <laughs> uh, well, we, we did discuss that after. Enough. Okay. But, uh, but anyway, Martin, thank you. What, what's your... Uh, what social media do you, do you have? I have it all now because uh, I've been forced to. <laughs> so, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Martin Angolo, A-N-G-O-L-O. Yeah, there'll be sporadic. There'll be more, uh, I suppose, content to come. <laughs> so it's yeah. all, sorry, it's all Martin Angolo. Martin Angolo comedy, pretty much, on all platforms. All platforms. Not TikTok, but all, all other platforms. Not yet. Not uh, yet, yeah. bro. Oh. Yeah. Th- those fucking those fifteen second animations are going up on TikTok. I can <laughs> I can I can see it coming soon. All right, all right. Uh, so everybody, uh, make sure to check out Martin's stuff. And I guess Jer Staunton too, since he got a mention. Ah, uh, yeah. Out of push. I'll get him at the. I'll get him on the. I'll get him on the pod. So thanks to Martin, and uh, thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, me and Mama, all over the country. Next week, at loan tickets left for at loan, um, and maybe a couple of tickets left for Westport. Doing two nights, Friday and Saturday, uh, so check that out. But they will not last; those will definitely be sold out. And then uh, in March, in some of the bigger venues, there's tickets left for Cork and Limerick and the Project Arts Center. I'm doing two weeks in the Project Arts. Uh, the weekends will be gone soon, but you know, early in the week, uh, there will be tickets available for the next while. Uh, Wexford uh, tickets left, um, and I think that's kind of it. Maybe, maybe Killarney, uh, but a lot of the venues, uh, other venues, are sold out. Oh, Cavan, the tickets left for Cavan. So check that out if you're looking to go see the show. And uh, at Des Bishop on Instagram. The shift is up every Tuesday morning, really Monday night late. And here uh, on the Des Bishop podcast, uh, we'll still be going up for the weekend. Um, and I'm still trying to decide whether I just move this over to the shift and just make the Des Bishop podcast on the shift. Uh, just more from, uh, from um, uh, is it better for uh, to post twice on the one podcast or is it better to keep them separate, which I'm still, I'm still waiting on an answer. I think maybe... My person from Acast has left because the the texts don't seem to be going through, or maybe I, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Any feedback greatly appreciated. Do uh, leave a comment on on iTunes, um, 
if that's where you listen to your podcast, or like take a screenshot. You listen on Spotify or anywhere else on Castbox. Uh, take a screenshot, bang it up on on Instagram, tag me, uh, repost it. I love all that stuff. You know, I love all the modern social media stuff. Um, which, of course, now you know, I chatted to Martin yesterday, so that is not. I'm saying that now on Saturday morning. It's not in direct response to what Martin just said, but I, I you know, I, I, I do embrace, I do embrace the content. So. Uh, Anyway, we'll chat to you guys soon. Thank you so much. Ta-ra. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.